Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Bedrock. Pastor Mark here. I'm part of the volunteer staff here at Bedrock. Just moved here a couple months ago, and Blake has asked me to be a part of this series on the family. He knew that he would be gone uh, this Sunday, uh, five days from family vacation. I don't get it, a pastor taking family vacation during a series on family, <laughs> but I guess we'll have to put up with that. No, I think he's doing exactly what he should be doing, and it's a pleasure privilege for me to be here this morning. I appreciate so much this series uh, on the family, but I really appreciate it. I want, want you to understand how much I appreciate Pastor Blake and this church. You know, it's very important to open the Word of God and preach from the Word of God on all subjects because the Word of God uh, covers it all, covers it all, including the family. It's God's original plan, right? And God's Word gives us the truth that we need. And uh, I appreciate that. As a matter of fact, we think about this verse right here over in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, this says it all. For the word of God is alive and active. Why don't, we, why don't we read this out loud together? Will you read it with me? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When it comes to the family, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your workplace, when it comes to friendships, relationships, whatever, we turn to the Word of God, and the Word of God does surgery on us. Really, we worship God with the wonderful music that we have. And we ask God to speak to us and to work in our lives. And this is how he does it, through the Word of God. And so when you leave here, uh, taking the Word of God with you and being in the Word, you can have surgery right in your own home. <laughs> and that's very important every day of our lives. Pastor Blake has done a wonderful job of giving us truth and the surgery 
as we walk into relationships with our family. And we're all going to struggle from time to time in our families. Difficult things happen. Life changes us. Things change. Experiences take place. And who we trust concerning what the truth is and where the truth is means all the difference in the world concerning how we will deal with those situations. I've seen some families, I was mentioning last night, I remember a family coming in who had been part of our, our church family. We were in Ohio, and, and anybody ever heard of Rubbermaid Industries? Rubbermaid, of course. Well, Rubbermaid Headquarters, World Headquarters was in Worcester in those days, and a lot of our people worked at, at Rubbermaid. And uh, these two people worked in Rubbermaid. I remember when they had their first child. I mean, I'm 66 years old, and I was in the same church for 38 years. So uh, six years removed, I was in Maine for six years, and I came back as co-pastor. But uh, I saw this family literally grow up in the church, their first child, and I remember they had uh, boys, twin boys. And we were all excited, and we had great Well, the, the twin boys were about 10 years old when... Mom and dad came into my office to talk to me, and they talked to me about their lack of communication, how they weren't getting along, and they had been to my married couples class, but I hadn't seen them for a while, and I said, well, I haven't seen you guys in my married couples class for a while, and you haven't come to any of our activities, and they said, well, you know, we've been working. I said, well, we, we, you know, we, we, we work all we can, and, and so I always, when I'm counseling with a couple, I always go through their work schedules and such, and I found out that one of them was working first shift, and one was working second shift. They literally were not home. One was sleeping when the other one was awake, and one was working when the other one was home with the kids, and that had been going on for about six or eight months, and so as we continued to talk, you know, well, well you know, we... God has blessed us, and, you know, we've got this boat, and we only have, we only can go out on Sundays, so that's where we've been going with the boat, you know, and, and I found out they had a nice pool, and they had, he had the motorcycle they had always wanted, and so they had all the toys, right, but they weren't communicating. They weren't around together, and then they weren't in church together, and they were wondering why they weren't communicating well, and why they were drifting apart. See, let me ask you this question. What's working for you this morning? What's really good in your life? Think about that. What's really going well? What can you say, God, you've blessed me? Chances are the reason why you are or why you can say that's happening is because of a decision or choices you've made along the way. You know, we don't often talk about the choices that have led to blessing. We talk about the choices that led us, oh, wow, did this happen? Well, you made some wrong decisions. Well, let's talk about right decisions. When we make right decisions, we end up in good places. We end up in a, a blessed place, right? These people had started making wrong choices, wrong decisions, and they were wondering why things weren't working. They had wandered away from the truth of what family it's not about stuff. It's about relationships, of course. And so we've got to deal with truth and look at truth when we're making small decisions, big decisions, young people. Start that now. Always include God and his word on the decision-making process. 
I want you to look at Jeremiah this morning. We're not going to, you can turn there to Jeremiah chapter 17. Not going to look at the verse yet. But I want to give you a little background and context for what we're going to read this morning. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Why would somebody be known as the weeping prophet? probably think about this guy, you know, sackcloth and as just crying. No, what he was called that for was because he was warning Jewish people all the time about them turning their back on God. But not just turning their back on God, but pursuing other gods and idols. He had watched this process and warned them, you cannot do this, God will judge you. And it impacts your lives. You're his children. It's impacting your lives. And God will certainly have to judge you. Turn back. Turn back. Don't do this. I'll just warn us all, you know, whenever you turn your back on God and pursue something else or someone else, there will be ramifications for that decision. We know that. But still sometimes... We do that. Jeremiah had seen the Jewish people pursue and begin to practice ungodliness in their lives. I can't even talk about some of the things that these people were doing. But I'll say one thing. They're actually offering their children up as a sacrifice with idols. God's people. How do you get to that place? Because they turned their back on God and began to pursue. You know, that family that I had in my office probably 20 years ago, they don't have a family anymore. They're no longer together. They divorced, I guess, a couple, three years after that. I remember seeing the twins, who were then 25, 27, both married at a party that our church threw for me before we left. So, mom and dad, they're, yeah, they're, one's remarried, and the other, I thought, I saw the first 14 years years of that marriage in front of me. The first 10 years of their married life in my marriage class and then they turned away from God. Went after other things and idols and it destroyed them. Death and life. Blessing and cursing is found in these decisions. That's exactly what happened to the Jewish people. 586 B.C., Babylon, Babylon came in, and they destroyed Jerusalem and overtook the city. Well, why are we looking at Jeremiah then? You can turn over to Jeremiah 17 if you would, please. We're going to look at Jeremiah because along the way through the word, almost smack dab in the middle of Jeremiah in chapter 17, he is sharing and he's warning, and because he's warning them, we can learn some things, some basic principles that are still true. For us today. When I look at a truth, a principle, and I, I want to quote, you know, Pastor Blake from last week when he was talking about the prodigal and that fa- it was perfect illustration of a family that had some, some problems, you know. And things were so good, you know, in that family. And then the son decided, I want. I remember hearing a message about the prodigal, and that was the key word. The attitude, the attitude behind the decision went right. He says, Dad, I want. I want want my inheritance. And that's where everything changed, you know. Things can change in a moment when we turn away from God. But Jeremiah 
17, Pastor Blake said last week, if the enemy can, can't get you to keep from knowing the Father, he'll try to keep you from experiencing his power. So I just think about those people in my office. You know, I, these are people who had trusted Christ, who I baptized, who grown their family, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, Satan says, if I can't keep you from knowing him, you know him, I'll just pull you away and destroy your family. You got to be very careful of that, families. When conflict comes, you need to have a way, a plan, a principle, and understand the enemy behind it and, and resolve that conflict. When a heartbreak happens, when life changes, when our enemy wants us to act out of our humanity, out of our emotions, out of our spontaneity, not out of a spiritual center. And some of these things are self-created, like I think about this family that I just mentioned. But some things, some things, tragedies in our life, they just happen. But who are we going to trust in the midst of that tragedy that just happened? Who are we going to trust? We have to Look to that spiritual center that we say we believe in. If not, there are ramifications. That's what we're going to talk about this morning as Jeremiah warned those Jewish people. I can give you a personal illustration if you let me. I was 17 years old, three weeks from graduating high school. I was sitting in choir when I got a note from the office. The note just said, your brother is coming to pick you up. That's all it said. Meet him in front of the school. Why? Well, my brother worked nights, and I knew that he was still asleep at 8.30 in the morning. This is my second period class. What's going on? So I, I began to walk down the hall, and I walked out past the office. When I walked past the office, every secretary and principal and vice principal were looking out the glass at me as I'm walking. <laughs> Well, this can't be good. What is this going on? I walked out the front door of the school, and my brother pulled up. He got out of the car and walked around the car. And as he walked around the car, he grabbed me and hugged me. He's four years older than me. And he says, Dad's gone. Dad's dead. 17 years old, three weeks from graduation. My dad was 57 years old. My world just changed. My family just changed. My future, my present just changed. At that moment in the weeks following, especially days following, I would make choices. I would make decisions that would really impact my life. See, I'm talking about big heartache, tragedy things that happen to all of us. And if they haven't happened to you yet, they will. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there and felt that feeling. What's going to happen? And God says, I'm here. I'm here. And then it's my choice to grab a hold of him. 
praise God, I had come back to the Lord by senior year in high school and had surrounded myself with good Christian friends, was in church, had a great family. But I want to I make sure you understand this. When those things happen, you can even go to your spiritual center, but these things can rock your world. So it's very important you trust God, but you're going to go through some rough waves. I, I began to have anxiety attacks as a, an 18-year-old. Remember one morning I couldn't get out of bed. Literally could not get out of bed. My heart was racing. I had no energy or strength in my arms, and I, I began to get panic attacks. I went to the doctor, and, and I got on uh, uh, Valium just to calm me down because I'd get these attacks. My wife, Robin, at that time and I, we were friends. We weren't even dating. But uh, what movie did we go see at Jaws. No, I think that it was, I went there with my brothers. I think it was you and I went and saw Burt Reynolds in the football thing. What was it? The first one. What is it? The Longest Yard. In the middle of that deep, really terrible drama, The Longest Yard, I began to get a panic attack. I said, I have to go. And I went, I went to the bathroom. I just sat there. Trying to get my, I mean, I remember that. I remember Robin driving me home. I mean, there are ramifications emotionally. I wonder why, what would have happened if I hadn't made things right with my father on earth and my heavenly father, been f surrounded by godly people, a good church, a good mother and brothers. What, I wonder what would happen. That's why I think about when I counsel with people, and I always... I have great empathy because I cannot comprehend what they're going through physically, emotionally, and how we have an enemy that wants to take that stuff and drag us into the deepest parts of the desert. That's why we've got to trust God in those times. And in about six to seven months, eight months maybe, I finally uh, started feeling like myself again and was able to, through the Word of God, I pray and read the Word. And my wife, not my wife then, just my best friend, read with me and prayed with me was such an encouragement. I cannot tell you. Jeremiah shares a truth about how we trust or don't trust can bring death or life, curse or blessing. Jeremiah chapter 17. And we're going to read through four verses, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to teach through it. So Jeremiah 17, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. And it will be on the screen. This one part of the verse I did not put on the screen, but it's the most important. Thus says the Lord. Who says this? Who says this? It's not Jeremiah saying it from some personal experience. God is saying this to his people. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. It makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water 
but sends down its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, God, I thank you for the worship we've had and this introduction of who you are in your word and Jeremiah's concern for his people, for his brothers and sisters, his family and friends. Speak to us this morning. There may be somebody watching this broadcast. There may be somebody here in this room, as there was last night, who is experiencing a desert place. Encourage us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Concerning what? Concerning what? Let's call that heat. Say heat. Heat. Usually I have a, a picture of a sun or a diagram, and it's directly over me. Or I have it on a diagram. So just picture a, a bright sun right over my head. And I want you to put in that sun right in there the heat of your life. The thing that is really impacting you. The thing that makes you feel, oh, or have in the past. But this man has decided to make flesh his strength. He's trusting in man. Notice what it says next. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. This is an action. This is an action. There's known truth, perhaps a known relationship here, and they're turning away from it. Out of their emotion, out of spontaneity, out of just the peer pressure, but he's turning away from the Lord. His heart is turning away from the Lord. Concerning the heat, concerning this issue, this tragedy, this heartache. So what does someone like that look like? Well, here we go. Let's look at these. He'll be like a shrub in the desert. So we think about a, uh, I've looked at this word for years, and the best thing I can think of is an old sagebrush in the West, you know. It's just got, but it, it's got little prickles on it. And it really has no root, but it grew up as a rooted plant, but so shallow with little prickers on it. And finally, when the wind gets strong enough, it just blows it. It just blows it. A shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. The King James Version says, will not see when good cometh. In other words, there's two kind of ideas here. One is, you won't see anything good come in your life because you're out in the desert. But the other idea is, when something good, no matter how large or small, does come, when God throws you a little blessing, you don't even notice it. Because your perspective, say perspective, for your perspective has been so impacted by the heat. Because that's where your focus is. I usually, usually use this illustration. I'll say, well, there's, I'll use it on my desk, and I'll say, okay, these are all the things in my life. But this heat, this heat has so overtaken becoming more and more in my sight pattern of everything else in my life. And if I don't deal with it pretty soon, 
everything I see is through this. Focus produces perception. What you focus on, that's how you're going to see life. Let me tell you, that's how you'll see your wife. That's how you'll see your husband, your kids, your job, your church. That's the enemy's plan. And that's desert life. He'll dwell in the parched places of the wilderness. Let's talk about parched, dry. This is not a place you can go get a drink of water. This is a place where we dry up. We are parched there. And wilderness living, you know, if you go to Disney World, they used to have a place, a wilderness adventure or whatever, you go there and camp. Although, it's a wonderful place to camp. We're not talking about that. We're talking about wilderness where you have to get your own food, your own drink. You gotta, it's a tough place. It's a hard place to live. It's a place you don't want to get out of bed. It's a place you don't want to talk to anyone because you've isolated yourself in an uninhabited salt land. There's nobody out there. You've isolated yourself because you've turned away from God and you, you're sucking salt. You ever get upset by these little waves in the bay <laughs> and you end up with a mouthful of salt water? <laughs> you just want to drink. You just want to rinse that mouth out, right? Living in the salt land, in a wilderness, by yourself, isolated. Mike, would you come up here for a second? I asked Mike if we could use him this morning and abuse him and his family. I want you to stand right here. Christian, would you come up? I used Christian last night as our Lord and Savior. He's been good. He did such a great job last night. We're going to use him. Stand on that lower step, if you would. Let's say that Mike... And I'm making this story completely up. So don't come and pray for Mike after the service. I'm making, I'm making it up. Okay? Mike uh, has a relationship with Christ, with God through his son. Mike has worked at his job for 20 years. He's looking for a promotion. He's up for a promotion. And they just walked into his office. He was in church last Sunday with his whole family, shaking hands. Everybody likes Mike. And his boss just came into his office today and told him, Mike, you know, John is a great guy. He does have a little bit more education than you. I know he has not been here as long as you. We really like you, but we can't really give John what he needs and continue to pay you. We're going to let you go. You got three weeks. So from going from expecting a promotion, telling all of his family at home, we're going to Disney World, we're going to stay on, on, on site. Uh, now he has to call him and say, I have a job. Would you go over and pick that sign up right there? So what he has done at that point, he has a decision to make. And this is what he does. He turns away from God. His heart, the heat, has come into his heart, and Mike's reaction is, I can't believe this. I can't believe God would do this. God, you promised. Maybe he blames God. Maybe he blames his boss. But I'll tell you one person that he's not talking to, and he turns away from God. So he goes out into the desert. 
You can turn towards the people. And his heart is in a bad place. And all I can do is think about the heat. And as he thinks about the heat, it, come down, it comes down and impacts that heart. And he grows it and throws it back into the heat. And he moves a little farther away from God. Meanwhile, he says to his wife, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going back to church this Sunday. I'm not going back to church. I don't know what kind of God would do this to me. We have a house payment. I've been there for 20 years, and this is how they treat me. This is how, what's going on? He begins to suck salt. Luckily, he has money in the bank. He's got about six months worth of house payments in the bank. But does he think about that? Does he realize that God actually maybe had gotten him ready for this change of events? No, because he doesn't see when good things happen. He's so angry. He's so, so full of vitriol that he doesn't see what good things are even happening. And then his family. Would you come up, family? They love, they love Mike. This is their daddy. This is their husband. And they, they, they care about him. This is, this is Mike's response. And he says, what's the youngest daughter? Where's the youngest one? He said, come, just come on up. Put your, try to touch dad. Try, here, all of you, just come up. Try to touch, touch God. Touch your daddy. He just, he just leave me alone. Just tell him to leave you alone. <laughs> just turn around and put your arm out like this. Okay. Wife, would you come? Is she a husband? Look at her, touch her, say, not now. Leave me alone. Have a seat in the front row. I'm so glad I can say I'm going to bring you back in a few minutes. Is that where we want to be? <laughs> hey, don't raise your hand, but has anybody been there? Don't raise your hand, but were you in a family like that? And that cycle of the cursed cycle may still be going on to a certain extent. And you're reminded of it, Blake talked about Thanksgiving dinner last week. It was such a good illustration. Because I can remember when those cursed people walked in our door at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> Bringing their worldly stuff. I remember my father before he passed. I had an Uncle Dick. And he, he, was, a, he was an alcoholic. He would always try. <laughs> we were a very Christian home. He'd always try to sneak martinis into our house at Christmas time. Stick him in the refrigerator. One time my dad caught him in a Tupperware thing, you know. Looked like a lemonade pitcher. And he had a pitcher of mar martini. He kept seeing Dick go into the kitchen and coming back out. He followed him in one time. Dick, what is that? Oh, Gene. No, 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 no. He took that. He poured it right out in the sink. No, 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 no. He poured it right out in the sink. And then Dick, Dick didn't come for the next couple of years. You know what that's like, right? How you have those people that walk in your house, you love them, but, you know, they're just in a different place. It's tough when your own father's in a different place, when your husband's in a different place, your sister, your brother. So Mike is out there. He's away from God. People in the church are trying to call him. He doesn't want any part of them. And the fact is, not only his family, but friends are being impacted by the fruit off of this desert bush. You know, even bushes give fruit. Stuff you shouldn't really eat, right? 
got these bushes up in, in Ohio. They have these little red berries. They look so good. You don't want to eat them. But, you know, there are other people out there. Who's out in the desert with Mike? <laughs> other desert people. It's not a good thing, right? So Mike starts hanging out with the guys uh, that have different kind of lifestyle. They don't go to church. They don't know, even know God. But he calls his wife and says, hey, I'm not going to come home right now. I don't want to be at home right now. I'm going to hang out with Ralph. Well, where are you going? We're going down the bowling alley. I'm just going you hate bowling. Well, I don't know if I'm a bowler now. I'm just going to hang out. You know? And lifestyle begins to change. And this father who was bringing his kids to church, was active in the church, is now not in church, and he's walking further and further into the desert because his focus is on the heat. Now, let's look at exactly the same heat but with a different focus. Drop that card. Come over here on this side of Jesus. You just got the same news because the heat ain't changing, folks. The heat doesn't change. I can't bring my father back that, that May 17th morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. I can't, can't bring my father back. I've got to deal with that tragedy of my life. Who am I going to trust? Who's going to surround me with encouragement? Who will I allow to confront me, to, to surround me? So Mike gets this news. And he picks up that. He makes a decision. Come over here next to Jesus. Step right down there on that next row. No, no, go on that side. Stay on that side right there. He's decided to trust the truth that has been revealed to him over a period of time. Now, let's read this next verse. The blessed cycle looks like this. It's coming. Who is blessed? Well, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is is the Lord. Concerning what? Well, concerning exactly the same heat. Very important we understand that. Go on, next verse, next part of it. He will be like a tree. What does this guy look like? It's over here. He'll be like a tree. That's better than an old bush, right? Tumble bush being blown around by the, by the wind. He'll be like a tree planted by water. Oh, that's a much better place than the desert and salt that sends out its roots by the stream. Now, this is important. Where's the stream at? Where's this water we're talking about? Just step this way a little bit, Mike. Thank you. A little bit more, okay? Something happens. You know, this is our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Power over death, hell, and the grave. Amen? Something comes out of that cross. Something comes out of his risen life, the power of the cross, right? What is that? That's the, that's the flow that's below him. That is the church of the living God. That is the prayers of God's people, the fellowship of the church, the word of God. It's flowing from this power. It's Holy Spirit anointed and power. And Mike has decided to jump in the river. And let his roots go deep down. Because where do you see 
the results of the heat above ground. We don't know what's going on underneath. Yeah, we sometimes can, right? There are certain flowers in Florida, I'm learning, that don't do well in the heat. But there's other ones, and they flourish. They're like green. How can that happen? It's below ground. There's something happening deep down. Their roots are expanding themselves. Mike makes the decision, I'm just going to get deeper in Jesus. I'm going to allow the truth that I believe to permeate me. I'm going to stay in and trust God. And so he draws from the water. And he, he doesn't fear. He doesn't start making decisions out of spontaneity or emotion. He, he allows, wifey, to stay close and be his best friend. Get up there on that stair with him. Put your arm around her. His best friend, Jesus is reminding him that he's got a wife that loves Jesus too. And he's not going anywhere, and she's not going anywhere. Hopefully she has not berated him for losing his job. So she stayed close to him during this time. Doesn't fear when he comes. Now watch this, next part of this verse. Its leaves remain green, is not anxious in the year of drought. That means exceedingly dry weather, difficult heat, right? For it does not cease to bear fruit. Wow. Mike decides, well, I don't have a job. God must have something else, you know. Pastor Blake said he needed some greeters. Pastor Blake said he needs some people to call these visitors during the week. I'm going to go see Pastor Blake. How can I be used of God right now while I don't have my job? And he begins to bear fruit into the heat. That comes back and draws him closer to Jesus. And this is a good thing. And his kids, they begin to come around. And he's so glad. Because now all the kids come on up. Now, he actually has a little bit more time to spend with the kids. They've all been upset because dad's been working 12 hours a day, sometimes on, on Saturdays. And now, well, he don't have to worry about that anymore. They say, you know what? We have enough money in the bank. We can make our next six months. How about we take one of those payments and let's go to Disney World anyway? He starts thinking strange things led by the Holy Spirit. Thanks. You can be seated. You can have a seat on the front row there. I'm going to bring you back up in a second, just Jesus and Mike. So, the blessed cycle or the cursed cycle? Now, we're not, Jesus, God didn't curse us. We brought this on ourselves, and this is the fruit that comes from the blessed cycle. Rooted, seeking nurture, doesn't fear. We begin, the intensity rises, I'm just going to trust God more. I'm going I'm to start blessing other people. I want to tell you, I cannot tell you how powerful that is. Some of you know what that's like. To be involved, I'm just going to bless other people. The song that Danielle sang, and all I did was praise him. All I did was worship. Enter that place. But the question is this, how do we change? If you're in the desert, with the situation. How do you get from there? Come on up, Mike. How are we going to get from the desert sucking salt? There has to be a decision made. Come on up, Christian. This is going to have to happen. Go pick up that sign. 
Now, what's going to have to happen is, stand over there a little bit further. Mike is going to have to come to the end of himself. Isn't that what the prodigal son said? Isn't that what they said in the prodigal son? About he came, that's what Jesus said, he came to the end of himself. He went home and he repented. He told his father, make me one of your servants. I was wrong. I did this wrong. Now, I want, you, I want to show you what repentance is not. And then I'm going to show you what repentance is. Here's what repentance is not. So I'm walking this way away from God, and God speaks to me, and I hear his voice, and I stop. This is not repentance. I even start turning around. This is not repentance. I even look back and the thought comes to me, I should go back. But this is not repentance and I continue. What Mike needs to do is he's got to come to himself. He's got to turn and repent. Walk with me, Mike all the way over to the other, drop that sign, drop it, go pick up that other sign, and come back to Jesus, repent, tell him I've made a mistake, what do you need to do, Christian, there you go, now, did Mike get his job back, no, we don't know what tomorrow's going to have, or Mike and his family. We know this. Mike's in a place to receive the blessing because he's in the blessed cycle. Thanks, guys. Oh, our volunteers didn't get applause last night. <laughs> Maria's going to be very upset when she hears that. Where you at? Will you bow your head for a moment? Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.